0: Is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey
1: everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer and teacher to the pros, Dave Elitch. Dave first gained notoriety touring with the American progressive rock band The Mars Volta. In 2009 and 2010, since then, he has lent his talents to Miley Cyrus, Justin Timberlake, M83, the 1975... Juliet Lewis, Big Black Delta, and many others. An established L.A. player, Dave has performed on various records, syncs, and film scores for major motion pictures, including Trolls and Logan. He also conducts master class lectures worldwide and keeps a busy private teaching practice in Los Angeles. Dave has developed a reputation as a technique-slash-body mechanic specialist and has helped many of the industry's top players and educators expand their vocabulary, overcome physical and mental barriers, and get out of their own way. To find out more about this episode and the close to 300 episodes that we've done here at Working Drummer Podcast, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher and Spotify. We also have a YouTube channel where we are regularly populating old episodes. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I have been doing here at the podcast, You can find us on Patreon.com slash Working Drummer. For as little as $1, you can have access to educational content from PDFs to videos that former guests are providing for us. If Patreon isn't your thing, we also have a PayPal option. Any amount and any donation is really helpful in helping to keep this podcast going strong. Hey everyone, we are super excited to announce that Shure Microphones is helping to sponsor the podcast. This year, we've been talking a lot about recording from home. And for those of you who are just starting out or are looking to supplement your existing arsenal of microphones, Shure's got a microphone kit. That's perfect. The cost is just $349. This kit includes four must-have microphones. I'm talking three SM57s which as many of you know is the industry standard when it comes to miking up snare drums, but it's also great for just about anything from toms to percussion and even vocals. In other words, you'll find SM57s in every studio from Oceanway Studios Nashville to Abbey Road all the way down to my neighbor's basement studio. The fourth microphone is a Beta 52A kick drum mic. This is one of my favorite kick drum mics. It has the punch and the low end all in one. If these were the only four microphones you had, you'd be ready to record. If you're looking to expand your collection, recording options, or even upgrade to pro-end mics, the DMK5752 bundle is perfect. I personally think you can never have enough SM57s, and the Beta 52A is amazing. This package comes with the hardware to mount the SM57s and a carrying case, Again, just three forty-nine dollars 49 for a limited time. There'll be a link in the show notes to learn more about this great deal Sure is offering. Check it out. So my conversation with Dave is starting right in the middle of me explaining that I was going to go see a hand specialist about my left arm. I've got an ulnar nerve that's being pinched or some weakness that's happening in my left hand that I've been dealing with. For the last few months and so you'll hear us start right away i don't like to spend a lot of time talking about what's going on with me or anything like that but the timing of this interview with Dave elish which is perfect it just tied really my situation tied in really well with his approach to technique and body mechanics and so it was a really nice kind of subject and launching point to get into some of these things Dave's philosophy and approach is so fresh, and I think much needed in the drumming and music world, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can do a part two, and I hope that y'all enjoy this conversation with Dave Elich.
0: Are you recording right now? I am recording. Okay, great. Well, maybe you could use this in the podcast cuz this it. is what I cuz this is what I do all day with, you know, a lot of the best drummers in the world is this kind of stuff.
1: So I was hoping to get a free lesson by starting a, <laughs> starting a podcast 5 years ago.
0: Yeah, you had a, you had a, you had a premonition back then that looking to all work out. I, I'm gonna,
1: you know, I'm a sleeper cell waiting to talk to Dave Elich about, I'm not sure what yet, but I know it's going to come up.
0: Well, this is, no, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is actually perfect. Okay. So, so essentially what, so, I mean, oh man, there's, I mean, so much we can talk about here, but just to preface, preface this and i talk I've talked about this in, in interviews and podcasts and my course and all this stuff but but you know for people that maybe haven't heard any of that stuff essentially we are starting at a disadvantage with this instrument for, for a couple of reasons one um, the bar is extremely low to entry yeah. so this this instrument is very easy to start playing when you it's just you can a lot of people can sit down and just go boo ba boo ba and just kind of start playing
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: You don't need a lot of uh, technical wherewithal. You don't need to get your embouchure together. You don't need to get your intonation together, um, just to make a sound. You know, you sit down and try and play a clarinet, and you're squawking for a few months before you can even get a note. Oh yes. You try to play violin. Your your intonation is all wacky. It takes you a while. Drumming, you sit down. It's immediate. So a lot of people don't have to physically sort themselves out at all, um, and then you put that together in conjunction with the fact that we usually start when we're small children, and the drum set is the same size, it's large. So we end up, you know, stretching and twisting and contorting our bodies into these unhealthy unnatural uh, shapes to just play the instrument. And, and you put these two things together. Um, And then fast forward 10 or 15 or 20 years and people go, oh, my body hurts or I have, you know, nerve damage or whatever, um, because you've been uh, cementing in these various unhealthy ways and unnatural ways of using your body. Like playing drums is one of the most unnatural things you can possibly do with your body. Hmm. Um, When I started sending everyone to. Diana Linden my body worker in Los Angeles who I'll talk about in a second and she started she works with Olympic powerlifters and a lot of athletes and she's you know she's my I call her my Yoda I've learned so much from her over the years she's just unbelievable um and both when I started working with her and then more recently my Alexander teachers um Sandra dager and uh, Jean-Louis Rodrigue they both were like wow this drumming is pretty fucked up. Like (laughs) this is like the most fucked up thing you can really do. Like, um, it's really physically weird. Like you're sitting down, but you're moving all of your limbs. So, so, you know, I have these people coming to me with, with these problems and most people never think about any of this stuff until there's a problem. Yeah. Um, and so I, these people come to me with these physical issues and I say, okay, great. Um, when was the last time you got a massage? Yeah. And they go, never I'm like, okay. And I go, what do you do when you get off stage after a show? Let me guess. You eat pizza and you drink a six pack of beer. Probably. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we need to think of and treat ourselves like athletes because that's what we are. You watch a pitcher get off the mound, they immediately wrap his whole arm and shoulder in ice. Right. You see these football players getting off, getting off the field. They take ice baths, you know, like
1: and not only that, but, you know, people talk about athletes in their late thirties as like, he's really old for what he does Yeah, and we don't stop.
0: Yeah. That's a very, that's a very good point. Yeah. Especially depending on the sport or what you're doing. Exactly. Uh And you have people wanting to play until, you know, there's their seventies or eighties. And I mean, look at Gad. I mean, it's unbelievable. Right. Um, So, so you have all these things going on and people are just not taking care of themselves until there's an issue. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things Diana says is she's like, you need to like really start working out. Like, you know, working out becomes really important in your forties. That's when it's really important because you need to maintain everything and be strong. Um, and also having a structured workout routine, like, She's like, you're not working out to be a bodybuilder. You're working out to play drums well. So you don't need to be like deadlifting 400 pounds. Like that's not going to help you play drums. All mm-hmm. you're going to do is throw out your back. Yeah. And then what are you doing? Defeating the purpose of everything. So, so sort of circling back around here, what happens a lot of the time when people start. The light bulb goes on, and they go, "Oh man, like I need to do something about this." Like for instance, with you, with your uh, uh, radial ulnar nerve uh, impingement, like people go, oh, "I got to get this taken care of." And then they, if they have health care, which most people don't mm-hmm. in the United States, um, they go to their health care provider and they set them up with a physical therapist who generally doesn't know what they're talking about, and they just put them through the motions. They go, "Yeah, you do this exercise, and then you do this," and it's like awful and terrible. Right. 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 Um, or they do some, they do like some sort of fringe discipline, like uh, acupuncture or cupping, or something that's like more like icing on the cake, and like is cool if you want to do later on in conjunction with the real shit, which is sports massage, deep tissue, active release therapy. But in and of itself, it just doesn't work. Chiropractic work also doesn't work. It's a band-aid. So generally speaking, a lot of chiropractors are like, cool, let me uh, crack your back once a week for the rest of your life. Right. Uh, and we, I won't actually fix anything. So, so essentially, you know, something like what Diana does um, is you go in there and she finds a scar tissue through you know we build up scar tissue through repetitive movement and through velocity so you're sitting at a desk typing all day um eight hours a day 40 hours a week you get you get scar tissue buildup. up you're using a jackhammer at work you get scar tissue buildup. drummers we have both of those it's a perfect storm
1: we're sitting at develop. a desk with a jackhammer basically <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> Repet- doing the same thing over and over and over and over again think about how many times you hit a hi-hat in a show i mean (laughs) hundreds of thousands probably yeah um at least tens of thousands so um so essentially what you need is you need someone to go in there go into for you specifically it's going to be going into your forearm and probably your tricep if not your scalenes you need to go up the chain and see see sort of what's happening here um but go in there and break up that scar tissue which is brutal most people are like oh yeah i got a massage at some strip mall felt amazing <laughs> that's not what that's not what we're talking about we wanna it's got if you're getting the right kind of work done it sucks yeah it is brutal and the idea here what what you know one of the things diana says all the time is she's like if i do my job correctly i'm putting myself out of business wow because she's like, I'm fixing people, and I'm showing them, I'm giving them the tools uh, with workout routines and, and self-care so that they don't have to rely on me, which is the complete opposite of a lot of chiropractors. So essentially, what I'm guessing you need is you need, like for instance, I'm not sitting there with you right now, but right. if you put if you put your arm straight out in front of you, like whichever arm it is, yeah, is it your left arm or your right arm?
1: It's my left arm.
0: Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. So if you put your left arm straight out in front of you kind of with your thumb, uh, your hand open your thumb uh, facing straight up in the air, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And then you take your right thumb and you put it under your uh, tricep and Mm. you push straight up into that and, and, and dig in and wiggle up and down and back and forth quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: And kind of fish around and do that sort of all around your tricep. Do you feel the tingling in your, in your pinky at all?
1: I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so, so this is what I'm talking about. Like, and this is potentially why the guy you've been seeing who may be great, hasn't been able to fully remedy the situation because he's been looking in other places that are further down in the chain. So your nerve impingement is probably due to scar tissue buildup in your tricep. Hmm. Hmm. So you need to have someone go in there and break up the scar tissue in your tricep, which will free up the ulnar nerve.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that when I saw him, uh, Dr. Preston Wakefield, who we actually had as a guest years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, who had some great stretching exercises and Mm -hmm. some other things like that. Uh, Again, he's been helpful. But Mm -hmm. I think that when at the time that I saw him, I was suffering from... Other issues like with the thumb and with some mm-hmm. where I was overcompensating, some weakness in the ring and the pinky finger mm-hmm. because of this mm-hmm. ulnar nerve. This is before I kind of discovered that's where it was emanating from, and all the signs right. pointed to there. And so uh, I'm not giving him a, a pass b- by any means, sure, but sure. I think he was addressing the pain and the some of the things that that. Uh, that seem to have worked in the past. And when I say in the past, I don't mean this year. I mean, like over the last 10 years when I saw maybe three or four sure. times, I, sure. I, I take a lot of pride in my ability to take care of myself. A lot of the people I work with are sometimes 10, 20 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, I do yoga. Uh, I've mm-hmm. always worked out pretty regularly. Um, I think because of this injury, I've had to back off quite a bit. I had a, Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's been one of those things that I take pride in. I spend time warming up and stretching. Sometimes I get made fun of on the road, you know?
0: Oh, of course I've been, of course. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're just like, you're like, fuck you guys. You want me to play a good show or not? Right. You know?
1: (laughs) Come on, man. Have a shot with us before we go out on stage. Oh, dude.
0: (laughs) Yep. When I was playing with Volta, the first show, they were like, all right, cheers. Like, it's all drink tequila. And I was like, nope. Yeah. You can you can fill mine up with water. I got enough stuff to worry about.
1: Ex- exactly. Um, yep. So when this, I have a feeling, is something that has crept up over time. It, there's no one event that has caused it. And I think that's what makes it confusing for so many people is that through a series of events... Through drumming, through living, through too mm-hmm. many up dog, down dog mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. wrist, um, mm-hmm. thinking I'm taking care of myself, and I'm doing all these push ups, and mm-hmm. then all mm-hmm. of a sudden I'm like, "What's wrong with my wrist?" And
0: yeah, well, that's also that's ex- that's a great point, and and you and you said previously, like, well, I was sort of over, you know, I had this issue here, and then I was overcompensating with, pull, you know, holding the stick with my back two fingers, which then causes a whole other yep. set of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the, the whole whole reason why I do what I do is because I don't see anyone else doing it. And so many people who claim to be doing it are uh, lost or mistaken or have good intentions, but you know, uh, maybe are giving out bad or misinformation. and it's the same thing with getting this type of body work done or going to a chiropractor, going to a therapist or going to a doctor. It's like, I would say, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know what they're talking about, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, And so finding someone who knows what they're talking about and can give you results again, what, regardless of the discipline, I mean, you got to hold on to them, you know, dearly. I mean, that's why I value all of these people I've mentioned previously so much because, um, because they know, um, and, and, you know, people who are listening to this might go, well, like, how do you know if someone knows? And it's like, take everything they say and do it. And if it works, yeah, they know. Yeah. And if it doesn't, they don't. Yeah. It's really that simple.
1: 2020 has caused us all to slow down quite a bit. and mm-hmm. And maybe it's a chance for me to really focus on what's important.
0: Yeah. I mean that's you know when this whole thing happened I was saying on Instagram like uh, you know I'm not really on Facebook or Twitter very much but I was saying on Instagram like hey look if you guys can use this time to be productive like it really is a gift and I was sort of naively saying that at the beginning of all this before months in and you start to kind of lose your mind a little bit but you know for me like I I was just um, you know giving a lesson before this and the the a guy was asking me how I sort of keep my head on straight during all this. And, and I was saying, look, you know, I, I try to ride my bike 10 or 12 miles a day. I try to work out in my living room with some dumbbells on a bench and I try to practice. And sometimes I get all three done and sometimes I get two out of three done. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do anything today. And that's okay. Hmm. You know, but, but trying to be productive is, is really for me, um, what's going to keep me sane? Um, because if I'm sitting around doing nothing, my head starts to spin, and that's when I really start going cuckoo bananas. But you know, people, especially drummers, have this sort of Catholic guilt complex yeah. about practicing and like always having to do something and being good at everything and being a chameleon and all this this weird I don't baggage. I don't know where that comes from, but you know, I mean. If, if it helps you keep your head on straight, get some get two or three things and, and try and do those every day. And But at the same time, if you don't want to do anything, that's cool, too. Like, totally cool. Nothing wrong with just laying around all day because you may need that, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. You're not beating yourself up about it or feeling guilty about it.
1: It's, it's really difficult, man. I'm so glad you bring this up because... You know, you you read about people the self care, and it's like you know what? Mm-hmm. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to take a breath and not feel yep. like you have to be busy all the time. Yep. And yet, there's a part of me that says, "But this kind of what keeps my balance keeps me in balance is to stay right. busy." You know what I mean? I right. I didn't start this podcast. I, I started it because I was bored. I needed something <laughs> else to do. Sure. Uh, sure and so we we, sure. we we fill those hours and we're like how do we be productive and then being being self-employed, being a creative yeah yep. there's no like obvious end goal where your boss is saying I need this report I need this It's right. like what is the except for the the song you have to learn or the whatever we create our own goals and but to do that in a healthy way otherwise we're just constantly going 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 and then your body says okay now you're sick now you mm-hmm. have to slow down mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah no it's a, it's a good point there's no like okay i have to get these tps reports done or i have to <laughs> right you know, there's, yeah <laughs> there's no there's no specific Goal, even if though the, a goal may be, maybe meaningless sometimes, <laughs> um, you know. Like you're right. There's you know, and there's sometimes there's there are specific goals like I have to learn this music for this show or this tour, or this session or you know whatever. Um, but yeah, with with the arts or, or you know as a career as a career, it's like you know, I think you know in the healthiest times the goal in and of itself is 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 the work itself yeah um so yeah it is it is a difficult it's a bit of a paradox um you're right being like well you need to take time for yourself but you also need to grind it out and work all the time (laughs) and that whole like hustle culture mentality like um which is also like I've said this before, but like I never, ever use the word work with I've never my whole life used the word work a, a, in terms of music or teaching or I'm like, oh, I have to go teach or yeah. oh, I have to go play a show or after, you know, there are certain people like, hey, man, how you doing? Dude, Oh man's working, just working, dog.
1: Yeah, and it's just
0: like Ugh, gross. Like, <laughs> like if I wanted to, like, work like that, I'd go work in an office. <laughs> You know, so it's just I think the way we we mentally consciously approach these things, we frame them goes, a, goes a really long way. I think most people sort of do that unconsciously. Um, and also like being as you do the work on yourself, being conscious that, you know, there are a lot of people that, you um, depending on, you know, what you have going on, what sort of issues you, you may or may not have, you know, people will become addicted to certain things, whether that's, you know, substances or, or sex or work, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there are people that get addicted to, to work. Yeah. So, you know, that would be the one caveat that I would pay attention to in this context go like, you know, some person, some people will be doing cocaine but I'm working. And they're like, Oh, but you're being productive. Like that doesn't sound that bad. You're, you know, you're working, you're getting things done. And it's just like, nah, you know, there's a, there are certain levels, you know, just, I think the one thing that's important here is like making sure that you're not doing that.
1: Yeah. You've got control.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Right. Your self-worth isn't, isn't all wrapped up in your identities and all wrapped up in, in being busy and hustling and working. You're not, you're essentially, you're not avoiding other important aspects of your life using the work to to do that.
1: Right, right. Uh, And, and there's so many different aspects of life that make music great.
0: Yep, absolutely. Like I was just given this lesson right before this and, and he was asking me like, you know, how do you stay inspired or what do you do? And I'm like, man, I'd watch a bunch of documentaries. I'd go to museums. I read a lot. You know, I like do a whole bunch of stuff that very deliberately has nothing to do with music. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to get inspired, I get the hell away from music. Yeah. I think that having that balance is important.
1: I'm at a place in my life. And maybe this is something that someone in middle age who's listening could could take away from is now you're looking at like, oh, my gosh, I'm running out of time I never did get that groove down that I've always wanted. I should mm-hmm. be there by now. I've been playing drums mm-hmm. for over 30 years. Why don't I sound like Davey Litch, who's 15 <laughs> years younger than me? You know, so we're feeling like we're coming upon like this finish line of when we're not going to be able to play drums anymore and seeing that end of it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? That's interesting. Um...
1: So we, we start to uh, uh, let some of the attention to those other activities go by the wayside, like, Oh, I got to practice. I got to work on this. I never did finish this book. Mm-hmm. You know, what I say, but like mm-hmm. drum book or
0: something like that. You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, honestly, that's something I, I've never thought about um, specifically. Um, You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think, you know, I think if, if someone's in that place, like, I think it would be important to take a second and think about what's making them feel that way. Cause it sounds like there's a sense of panic or urgency underlying all of that. And granted, if you're 70 or 80, sure. I yeah, mean, right, right. I get it. But if you're in your forties or fifties, you know, there's no reason you know, I think that's sort of, uh, you don't need to be feeling that way. It's sort of unfounded. So like, mm-hmm. um, because regardless of what's going on, there'll be, uh, you know, assuming there isn't some like, you know, uh, major issue, um, you know, you'll be able to figure it out. You know, I mean, um, it's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I think it's, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like I feel like there's something under there's a piece underneath that that maybe has more to do with um, life in general as a whole sure. and it's sort of manifesting through the drumming lens.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think what I'm doing is what I'm saying is what you're talking about is getting away from music, finding inspiration. Sure. That is a key component that. Always uh, is a part of inspiration, like throughout your life. Yeah, and and I have a I had a question somewhat related to this, kind of prepared for somewhat later, but it was sure. it was you know do you see people learning and growing in different ways in different stages of their life? Because I'm imagine that your students range in all ages, mm-hmm. but you see psychologically and physically people learn a skill and they learn it very fast at, mm-hmm. at the early part of their life and then it kind of plateaus and then we kind of struggle or find ways to break that ceiling to overcome this plateau, whether it's you know physically or mentally. And I'm wondering sure. if you've had students like that, maybe in their 40s or 50s, that have pled to say, listen, I'm I'm just not learning or growing as much. And, and, and what have you done to help them overcome that?
0: Sure. Um, it really depends on the person. Um, I mean I've had people like, uh, you know, Greg Bissonnette, for instance, like we did a clinic tour a few years ago together and he came up to me after the first show and he was like, man, and Greg is like the coolest yeah. dude ever. Like, he's so sweet and humble and he's just such a rad dude and he came to me after he's just like man dave i have no idea what the hell you're doing like can i (laughs) i'd love to you know like i can kind of tell what the other guys are doing i just can't i just can't play it but i know what they're doing i can you know but i have no idea what you're doing like i'd love to take some lessons from you sometime and i was like sure like whatever like you know and this was in like australia and we get back to la and lo and behold he hits me up he's like all right man i'm ready to take some lessons and i was like shit okay wow and so we you know we i don't know how many we've done over the years maybe i don't know 10 20 lessons something like that but you know it's all been vocabulary based um like he wanted to know like about this sort of linear chafey gospel choppy fusiony thing um, that all the kids are doing these days. And, uh, and I was like, sure, I can totally, totally help you with that. And so we did a bunch of stuff like that. And, and then I sneakily got him into mashuga, which is like just my <laughs> life, life life goal with everyone. Um, <laughs> um, cause I was like, well, if you like those sort of rhythms, then check this out, you know, if you like this, then you'll like that. Um, and he was all super into it, which is hilarious. Um, so, you know, for him, it's been purely vocabulary. Um, and then, um, you know, someone like, like Chris McHugh, you know, like we didn't even know each other. Um, and we had mutual friends and he hit me up sort of out of the blue, maybe four or five years ago and was like, Hey man, I'd love to, I'd love to just work with you. And this was sort of an open book and was like, I'm down for whatever you, there are people who approach me and they're like, Hey, I really want to specifically do this. And then there are some people who are like, well, just kind of tell me what you see. Um, and he was kind of the the latter. And so, you know, with him, it was it was some s- sort of subtle ergonomic stuff. And then one of the big things was getting him to uh, let the beater come off the bass drum and rest in between the notes. Hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, I don't you you live in Nashville, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I don't need to tell you who Chris is and what he's done. You, well, you know
1: that. I've got two names I wanted to ask you about teaching. One of them was Greg Bissonette, one of them was Chris McHugh. Um, I, I, well, there you go. I swear to God, I will show you my notes. I swear to God. No, Chris has been a force and a hero of so many of us here yep. at Nashville. And as a matter of fact, he was our special guest on our 200th episode. Oh, great. That we had at Drum Paradise back oh, when we could great, have live amazing. events. Um, oh, that's so,
0: great, man. I love Harry. Those, those dudes are the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay, great. I mean, uh, so yeah, a man that really needs, needs no introduction, especially if you live in Nashville, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, and now we're, we're very close friends. Um, uh, one of he's uh, yeah, probably one of my closest friends. He's a, a beautiful, great. beautiful beautiful human um at the time we didn't know each other at all though and he was like hey man i'm down for whatever and so he sits down and starts playing and i'm like well obviously it's like a fucking freight train it's uh, like a I mac know. mac truck you know yes um yeah just yeah um and so i was like well man you know it uh obviously sounds amazing but you know you're digging the you're digging the bass computer into the head and he's like no, yeah, I know, I know I'm doing that. Like it's an aesthetic choice. I'm doing it on purpose. And I was like, that I was like, that's cool. Like, that's totally cool. Like, just humor me for five minutes here. And uh, and he's like, okay, you know, and uh, and so I get him to let the beater come off the head, and then he's and then he's like, Oh my god, I can't believe I've played on that many hit records digging the beater in for the last like 25 years or whatever. Like, and I was just like, I was like, yeah, no, I mean, I know. Like, I was like, dude, I have to do this every day. Like, it's not like, it's not just you. You just happen to be like one of the greatest players ever. But, it, and it's not like his bass drum sounded bad. It's just like it could have sounded better because when you dig the beater in, you have to fill the bass drum full of blankets and pillows to not make it, you know, uh, flutter or, yeah. or, you know, bounce on there. Um, or make the pitch pitch bend so like it was this he had this like moment where he was like oh my god and you know when you've been playing for that long um the muscle memory is really ingrained so it takes a while to learn a new engram a new a new uh muscle memory to override the old one um and it's a work in progress but like you know he'll send me tracks and be like dude check this out like blowing all all the engineers minds in nashville like with this bass drum sound and You know, I use really both of those dudes as an example, not to like name drop, but just to be like, look, these are some of the best players of all time um, who are out there doing it, Um, which to me is really the ultimate goal here. I mean, there are great players who don't really do anything professionally, which is okay too. But that's just not where my heart lies. I want to help people do it, make music, go on tour, make a living. So, you know, it's like people come in to study with me and you know, they may not be like a big name, but we're doing the same thing. And I tell people that, you know, and I had to do the same exact thing with, with Haka from Meshuga, Who's like, you know, I had his picture in my binder in high school, like on the, (laughs) in, in the front of my binder, like, you know, I mean like, and we've become really close friends and, but I mean, dude, he's like one of my heroes and like, I had to do the exact same thing with him, get him to to let the beater come, exact same thing I did with Chris. So like these people come in to study with me and I'm like, look, I know this is hard. uh, I know this is frustrating, but it's not like you don't get this and everyone else does. No one does. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I think that's so important to point out and to continue to point out to people, because again, with this sort of like Catholic drummer guilt monkey on our backs that we have as drummers, like people go, oh man, I can't even hit a bass drum right. Like, what am I doing with my life? It's just like, <laughs> it's not just you. Yeah. You know, and then like people, of course, on the other side of the spectrum go, well, like, what about Steve Jordan? He takes the beater and he's amazing. It's like, yeah, of course he's amazing. Of course he's one of the greatest drummers of all time. Like, but are you Steve Jordan? No, right, right. you're not. Yeah. You know, and does that mean that like he may not also sound better if he dug if he didn't do that? Yeah, you probably would sound better. So
1: that's such that's such a great point. I remember somebody talking about like I think it was, you know, Buddy never read and so why do I have to learn right. to read or Vinny doesn't he's never studied such and such so why do right. I need to do it? And right. and somebody said, "Well, you're not Buddy. You're not Vinny." So <laughs>
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I had someone uh I had someone send me a DM on Instagram recently and go like, yeah, well, what do you think about Buddy saying he never practiced? And I'm like, Buddy grew up in vaudeville. <laughs> His name was Traps the Drum Wonder. Like, he's from literal vaudeville. Like, so he, uh, he's, of course, he's going to go, yeah, I never practiced. Of course I don't practice. Because he understands marketing and showmanship. Yeah. Of course that dude practice. Give me a fucking break. It's, it's all about... And also he was like insanely gifted, um, which is another component to this stuff. You know, it's like, and that's this, this conversation I have to have ad nauseum and will probably have to have the rest of my life (laughs) is that like, you know, I have all of these people, um, who maybe study with someone, um, and they show them like a technical approach, which to me, it doesn't make any sense. And they go, well, you know, Dave Weckl plays like this. So it must be like, have some value to it. And I'm like, again, you're not Dave Weckl. Dave Weckl is so unbelievably skilled that he can have a technical approach that is inherently flawed and find unconscious workarounds that he's not even realizing he's doing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, so he could be, you know, Michael Jordan playing basketball with one arm tied behind his back and still beat you. Does that mean that that's the way you should play basketball all the time? No. If you brag about who you studied with, that teacher has failed you. You don't want to ever put anyone on a pedestal. There are no no gurus. Everyone is a human being. Everyone has the same things available to them. So, like, if you think your teacher is some knows everything like you, they have they have failed you i mean that's one of the biggest reasons or lessons i learned from from Judah krishnamurti is he was you know is he's just like there are no gurus and when he would give these talks they would be discussions he would be having a discussion with these groups of people and he was just a person and he was like very much like i'm not a guru there are no gurus if if someone pretends to be a guru, they are totally full of shit and stay far away from them. So, you know, and I feel like it just, uh, unfortunately, um, people just have parroted a lot of that information over the last five, six decades, and um, then unfortunately have not gone out into the field. To see if it actually works or not when the rubber hits the road,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I've taught a lot of people who've studied with these guys or studied with guys who studied with them, and then they go to play play a show and they go, "I can't play it. Like, I can't play. It doesn't work." I mean, people miss the miss the point of the technique should be the invisible hand that guides you. You need to work super super hard on it with the goal that you will at one point never think about it ever again. And it should make you sound better. It should give you more balls. It should give you more aggression. It should give you more finesse. It should give you more uh, fluidity, like not less. When it comes down to it, it's like, hey, look, I've had a lot of gigs. Like I've got a lot of chops. I've worked with, you know, a lot of the best players in the world. And, you know, what I'm doing works. I mean, what this comes down to is like I'm not doing anything the, the ironic, the ironic part of all of this is I'm not doing anything special at all. What I'm doing, in fact, is so uh, commonplace and like ubiquitous in the grand scheme of things when you remove yourself from the drummer's sphere. Like what I'm doing is I'm taking an approach that is universal and holonic. And if you look at the way anyone does anything physically or psychologically at a very high level whether you're talking about Tiger Woods hitting a golf ball, Bruce Lee doing the one-inch punch thing, Mike Tyson punching through someone's head, like any of that stuff is all operating under the same uh, sort of dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking those universal – when you pay attention to all those things, there's a universal set of sort of – I don't want to say laws, but truths. And and when you study Tai Chi – that's the same thing. That's a, it's all the same thing. It's just for some reason, no one has applied that to the drum set yet. But when you when you study anything else, that's at a high level with the person who knows what they're talking about. That's all they're doing. So it's just for some reason, everybody has always been like, okay, drumming. Let's how does this work? Let's start drumming. And they start thinking about. All of this stuff, if they do it all, in the context of drumming. And the problem is, is it's counterintuitive on the surface. So they get everything backwards, like pulling the stick off the head, which makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) Um, or all kinds of nonsense like that. Um, and then you have people going, Yeah, well, if you help the stick up, it's like, oh, you're not helping anything. What you're doing is you're putting all this extra effort in to actually slow the stick down and get out of the way. And then it's a stiff, jerky motion. And You're doing all this extra work to make everything feel worse. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not doing anything special. All I'm doing is, is what's special, I guess, if I'm, if anything is that I'm taking this universal approach, which is really common and I'm taking it to the drum set, which I haven't seen anyone, anyone do uh, really. So
1: let me ask you, if we kind of look under the hood of your approach to teaching and Mm -hmm. where you kind of had this epiphany and said, this isn't right, this approach Mm -hmm. isn't right, I need to be the voice of reason, I need to Mm -hmm. make this change. Was there a time in your life that that happened? What was the caveat that made, what was the thing that inspired you to um, go against the grain and well, uh-huh. did you develop it over time and then say, okay, I'm, I'm on it?
0: Yeah, sure. That's a good question. Um, well, I've always been of the nature to question everyone and everything. So, <laughs> If you can't tell. So, (laughs) so all the teachers I've had, I had some great teachers, um, both in like, you know, regular school and and drumming. And I would always question everything. Um, And I've always had a problem with authority. I don't like people telling me what to do. Um, and so I was, I think that naturally I'm kinesthetically extremely sensitive. Um, and if you want to call me an empath, that's appropriate if you want to get a little woo woo. Um, but I'm very, I'm very, very sensitive. Um, and it took me a while. I didn't realize that. Um,
1: Dave, what number are you? Just tell me. You <laughs> Um,
0: an eight.
1: Oh, I think I'm a seven. I can never. Remember. I have to ask my wife. She she knows. I'm a challenge.
0: I'm a challenger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, that's a perfect. I mean, so like you know, we're talking about the enneagram. If if yeah. people aren't hip, um, you know, um, so I, I basically just a lot of this stuff was natural to me. Um, And I had lessons along the way where I would take bits and pieces and I go, well, that was cool. That doesn't work. That, that makes sense. That doesn't work. But um, to me, (laughs) I was basically just trying to, when I was young, like in my teen years, I was like, how, how can I play as many notes as possible the laziest way possible? Like how could like, you know, essentially like, well, I could do doubles instead of singles. And then it's like, yeah, but then I have to get my doubles to sound like singles. Um, without it being all stiff and jerky and, and playing on pillows or some nonsense like that, or pulling up on the second stroke all crazy, which is every, what everyone tells you to do. So basically, naturally, I'm very kinesthetically sensitive and aware um, to tension in myself and other people and um, the sort of path of least resistance. So my point is, is like I, when I was younger, I kind of, I just thought everyone played like this mm-hmm. because it made sense to me. And then I was just, and then as I got older and as I started teaching more, I was just like, whoa, what the hell is everyone doing? This is crazy. Like, what? Everyone's just all twisted up and doing all sorts of weird stuff. Like, where are they getting this stuff? Like, it didn't make, and then I would, you know, hear all this stuff or see it from other people. And I'd be like, whoa, like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so, you know, from a very young age, I, I sort of, not that I definitely did not have it all figured out. In fact, like, when I came out with my instructional course in 2018, I, I six months later put out a Redux version uh, where I replaced like 75% of it because I'm constantly learning. And I was like, oh, man, I can, I, I know so much more already. And I mean, I, I have pages and pages and pages of notes where I'm going to be doing uh, version three sometime soon because, I mean, there's there's so much stuff I've learned since in the last year that I I can add to and um, and improve upon in the course. Um, so I'm constantly learning. I, by, by all means, do not have everything figured out. I'm, I'm constantly studying and learning new things. Um, but yeah, sort of to answer your question, it was like, I think I was naturally well within the ballpark. And then yeah. As I looked around me going like, whoa, this is like some sort of like bizarro world. Everyone's like everyone's just sort of like running, banging their head against a wall and they don't know they're doing it.
1: Right. And, you and know? what are some of the resources you're pulling from to then reinvent what you're doing and, and, and learn and grow and say, OK, I've got to redo this. I've got to, you know
0: uh i mean one of the one of the biggest things is uh for me has been uh alexander technique yeah um that was something that i'd heard about for a really long time and whenever i would look into it i would always be like oh no this sounds kind of woo woo like out there like it would always i know my bullshit detector would kind of go off a little bit and i'd sort of write it off and that happened a lo- many times over the years and then um, and then finally I went and booked a, oh my, uh, uh, Joe Kenny, who used to work at Craviato, um, randomly, I think I might've posted if anyone knew anyone or something. This is a few years ago. And he hooked me up with, um, with this woman, Sandra Dagger, who he knew who is in the Bay area. Um, and she happened to come down to LA and we did a session And I was like, I was like, oh shit. I was like, this is the same thing I've been doing, but someone already figured this all out before (laughs) me. And it's like way deeper than what I've been doing. Like, it's because we've both been on the same path um, because it's. even though I, had no, I hadn't studied Alexander, people kept recommending it to me because what I was naturally, instinctively doing was very, very, very similar. Wow, okay. Um, so, um, so uh, yeah, so I started working with her and, um, you know, a big premise of, of Alexander is essentially getting back to a healthy, natural use of the body um, and trying to mitigate and release as much stored up Usually unconscious tension is possible. Um, So, you know, if you look at a three-year-old pick up a ball, like they squat, their form is perfect. Right? Yeah. And no one told them how to do that. But through going through life and uh, a, a, a big Alexander principle is called end gaining. So end gaining is like where you have the end goal principally in your sights and then you do whatever you physically can to get to that end goal and you end up sort of manhandling yourself and and having an unhealthy unnatural movement because you're so focused on the end goal so like for instance some guy at the gym yeah that's that's curling dumbbells that are way too heavy and he's (laughs) swinging them and arching his back you know that would be a, an example of end gaining. So you drummers, you beat me too, And
1: I was going <laughs> to use that analogy that the whole kipping thing and, and they tend yep. to be like really skinny dudes. And you're like, why, yep. what are you doing?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you, Oh man, like I had to like, I go to usually go to Equinox every day during normal times. And you know, I, not that I am a personal trainer, nor do I pretend to be. Um, but like, you know, when I first started going there, I would walk up to dudes who were doing sh- stuff real wacky. And he'd be like, Hey man, you know, just friendly piece of advice. You're going to throw your back out if you're doing that. And like most of those dudes like, yeah, I didn't ask you for, it. and I was like, okay. So like, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I don't, I don't try to help people anymore and give them unsolicited, you know, meathead, meathead weightlifting advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so Um, you know, and then Alexander work, um, there's also an element of table work, which is where you lay down on a massage table and they do sorts of various specific, um, I don't know what the word for it is. It's not really, it's not really exercises, but when you're lying down on a table, you're able to release, um, much more tension than you would be standing up or or, or sitting down. So for instance, like if you're laying down on a table, you're really able to open up and flatten out your back yeah, um, in a way that you can't do otherwise. So, um, you know, Sandra hipped me to her, one of her teachers, teachers Jean-Louis Rodrigue, who works at UCLA um, and works with a lot of like A-list actors. See, again, what's funny with this Alexander stuff is like, if you're an actor, or a dancer, or a classical musician. Chances are you've studied Alexander, or you're familiar with it. But for some reason, it has just not penetrated drumming or like pop music world. But mm-hmm. if you go to some, you know, stuffy British college, you know, you'll learn how to hold the tuba correctly. Um, but for some reason, it hasn't um, made its way into pop music or drumming, um, which is bizarre to me. So. Um, which I'm gonna eventually do something about. Um, But um, yeah, so uh, working with both of them, they both have different styles, um, but working with both of them really gave me a lot of confidence because it just kept reinforcing everything I was naturally inherently doing. And I was just like, yes, I'm on the right path. Like, yes, because it was just, and it was like, okay, I've been doing this, but like, I can do it better. Like for instance, like, you know, one of the things that I was working on with Sandra, is um, how I touch people. Um, for instance, like if I, like just me putting my hand on your shoulder <clears throat> when I'm talking to you and I, when I'm working with you, like I would put my hand on your shoulder probably much like you would do it without thinking about it, just kind of drop the weight of my arm on your shoulder. But she was pointing out to me that like, if you do that, uh, especially on the shoulder, you initiate like an unconscious startle response and you transfer your, your energy to them and it unconsciously makes them anxious as opposed to like bending at the knees slightly and really lightly laying my hand on the person's shoulder they're way more calm and way more open to uh suggestive uh uh topics in terms of movement or relaxation it's very it's very 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 subtle like there was a lot and again i'm very sensitive to a lot of the stuff And it was funny because working with both of them, they would be making adjustments. And I was like, and I would, and this happens to me daily. So I laughed when it happened, like, like I'll be working with someone and, and I'll be like over Skype or zoom or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Can you, can you relax your tongue? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, can you just let your tongue sit on the bottom of your mouth? And they're like, what? how did you, how can you see that? Like, I don't understand. And yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like, I can feel it in my stomach. Like I can feel, I have knots in my stomach when, when someone is holding tension and when we let go of it, it's like, the, like the air pressure sort of gets let go of. So it was funny because when I started working with Jean-Louis and, and Sandra, they would be like, okay, let's, uh, they would give me some sort of um, uh, adjustment. And, and, okay, relax the back of your neck. And I'm like, and they're like, good, good, good. And I'm like, Sh-. I'm like, I didn't even, I don't even feel anything. <laughs> and then, the, and then I was like, holy shit, they're feeling things I'm not even feeling.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. whoa, this is crazy. Like, um, so it was simultaneously like very encouraging and very humbling because both of them are operating on this plane that like, I am not at yet at all. So it sounds um, like you
1: just had a natural affinity for this from a very early age. And then as you've gone through life and kind of discovered like, hey, this is this is who I am. You know, mm-hmm. how do I make it better? How do I find the yeah. guru that that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Or, or not guru. But <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean. Exactly. I I definitely have a lot of these natural, natural tendencies. And, and I think most people, the, the problem here is, is if you, if you end gain successively for years on end, it has a compounding nature and you, in order to end gain, you have to become detached and numb from your body that's how it works. Mm. So if you're like, have your ride set up in a weird place, like most people do, and you're like, oh, I gotta like really like reach out to get the bell or, or like, I'm just I gotta play this really fast punk section. And I'm just gonna like muscle my way through it. and go. go. Okay. And if you do that enough, you 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 have to disconnect from your body and able to do that. And then so what we end up with is a lot of people who are just numb to their bodies.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Um, so I mean, the first thing I have to do is is really get people like rooted and and connected um, uh, uh, back into themselves, because a lot of people that's a foreign concept, and and unfortunately, they don't they have no idea all this stuff is going on.
1: You know, it's interesting. There's a, there's some parallels to to the way we deal with money, and we've we've been studying that a little bit in the podcast. We mm-hmm. have a financial expert on, and we actually pre COVID had a live class and everything like that. Cause you know, that's a, that's a big part of, you know, how,
0: well, dude, not to, not to interrupt you, yeah. but like, like one of the main things I talk about with people is, is, is trying to, to, to dissuade people from going to school for music because it's right. a racket. Yeah. And when I teach people who just graduated from Berkeley or wherever, the first thing I ask them as I go, cool, uh, how much debt are you in? Yeah. So first thing I asked them, um, <clears throat> because that's the, that should be their number one thing in their crosshairs. And unfortunately, a lot of kids are just thrown into these systems and they're like, I don't know, <laughs> like no idea. And I'm just like, oh my God, you have like this yoke around your neck that will, unfortunately, because you went to school to play music, you will probably never be able to play music now.
1: Right. Unfortunately. It, yeah. You need that flexibility.
0: Well, you need family. to pay back $200,000 in debt <laughs> because you went to Berkeley, which is $70,000 a year. So like, even if you're a doctor making $150,000 a year, you won't even be able to pay it on the principal. But they don't even know what a principal is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go on.
1: But they know what a double paradiddle... On the, <laughs>
0: exactly. Double. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well,
1: <clears throat> our financial guy talked about how it's really natural for humans to be uncomfortable and you find yourself in places of discomfort and accept it as life. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the tension and the habits that we form over time create this uncomfortable seating ride position that we get really accustomed to and mm-hmm. over years of doing. And, and we forget. I mean, if anything, I can can't pull from anybody more expertly than myself mm-hmm. <laughs> is that like I'm notice more tension in my playing now at this age after years of playing than I did when I was younger and it's like mm-hmm. am I just I've become to I mean now I've I've put a mirror back in my practice room to kind of like mm-hmm. observe my how I'm sitting, you know, all these different things. Of course, now that I'm dealing with my left arm, um, that hand, that approach and all these different things. But I talked to Billy Ward about this because we were talking Mm -hmm. about tension and relaxation and, and letting things flow. And I asked him about this, the sound that I would make in my throat, like when I would play, I wouldn't notice it until the engineer would Pull the uh, overheads up and said, "Hey, Matt, come here. Check this out." And you could hear yep. me going, uh, 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 <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and like, yeah. "What is that?" And it's like I can't even hear it, but I could feel, I could feel the the, the roughness in my throat, the thing, and I'm like, "Man, I am tensing my throat," mm-hmm, and so when mm-hmm. I'm breathing, like this ujjayi breathing mm-hmm. without intent, it's it's I'm holding that tension in my throat why is that you know
0: well it's an interesting thing and one of the things i try to make very clear to people is like uh i grew up for various reasons um um, uh, having a really um uh, black and white level of thinking, uh, towards the external world or myself or anything else. Um, so things were either quote unquote right or quote unquote wrong or quote unquote good or quote unquote bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it taken me a lot of work to distance myself from that, uh, cognitive, uh, dissonance. Um, uh, so my point in saying that is, is this is a perfect example of, much like the left left leg unconscious bobbing up and down Mm -hmm. this is a perfect example where it's a spectrum so um now if we're trying to mitigate and release tension uh in order to improve your pocket and 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 your time feel and the health of your your body then trying to get you to stop unconsciously singing as a crutch is something that that is smart to look into now um, there are also people who do that. It's very common actually. Um, and it's a big part of their sound. And if you tell them to stop doing that, a, uh, they don't even know they're doing it. So it's completely unconscious. So if you go, Hey, can you stop singing? Cause it's coming in the overheads. They're like, wait, I'm singing. And then they go to the next take. and I'm like, wait, what? And there's this overthinking everything. Right, right. Um, and then it's just a complete mess. Um, also, something I have a lot of students do um, is uh, what's called like active playing versus passive playing. So, singing, singing fills, and then playing them. Um, and so, a lot of my favorite players, um, I've asked them, or I've you know sort of guessed that they are singing either out loud or in their head while they're playing like a very extreme example of this would be like some of the like Keith Moon, where you watch him play and he's like, yeah. like singing as what he's playing as he's playing. Yeah. Um, but you know, all of my favorite players, like, you know, Tony Williams or, or Phil Collins or dudes or gad dudes that are like very aggressive and very lyrical, and very direct. Um, they're, I think anyway, they're all singing in their head. Or out loud and playing what they're singing, just so this direct, um, strong connection between what the, what what's their brain and their body. And um, I remember talking to Jimmy Haslett, the bass player, about it because I was watching him play, at Catalina's one night, and I was like, "Hey man, when you're um when you're when you're soloing, like um are you are you singing when you're playing?" I always ask this to someone who I like. I like their phrasing. And he's like, Oh yeah, completely, man. I always do that. You know? And I was like, Oh, I was like, why? He's like, well, when I studied with Jocko, he told me, he told me to do that. Uh, it's really important for your, for your phrasing. So it's a spectrum where like, it kind of depends on, on the person. And you know, like I always give Moritz props, like my buddy Moritz Muller, who's this German German drummer, who's unbelievable. Hmm. He does not get enough props. He's so good. And, uh, I love his phrasing. And I and I asked him, oh, dude, are you singing while you're playing? And he does the same thing you do. Like, ah, you know, <laughs> where it becomes where it becomes an issue is like, ironically, I've taught a lot of people who do PVs, who do like background vocals. And ironically, I remember teaching this one guy. I can't remember what band he played in. It was like an 80s, 80s new wave band or something. <clears throat> and he was doing it like severely like he was playing going like oh like (laughs) like it was it it was it was enough to where it was an issue it was a problem and i was like uh, because he wasn't breathing oh yeah and that's a that's a problem for a variety of reasons so we start working on it and and it's getting better and better and then like half an hour goes by and he's like yeah man i mean it's you know it's really tough live because i'm you know because all the vocals i do and i'm like what (laughs) i'm like dude how the hell are you singing like I don't even know how you're playing drums without passing out, let alone singing. It's crazy. So, you know, long winded point is like, it's a spectrum. Like I wouldn't tell, you know, Matt Chamberlain does that and unconsciously. And obviously he's one of the greatest ever to ever sit down on Mm -hmm. the instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And like, I wouldn't tell him to stop singing just for the sake of, and same thing with his left leg. We were hanging out years ago. Cause I was like, man, I want to, I, I, I love, you know, I obviously love his pocket so much. And we're, we're good friends. And I was like, man, I have a couple questions about your pocket. And he's like, well, I don't know. I just come over and just hang out and get Rob and kind of see it. So, you know, <laughs> like, so like the, the things I gathered are like, that make him sound like him. Cause he always has this way of like sounding like someone's playing a shaker underneath him.
1: Yes. Like yeah. if
0: there's this sort of like 16th note grid underneath him, that's like a
1: constant linear 16th note thing. Yeah. Yeah. which just
0: like, sounds so amazing. And I was like, what the hell is that? And he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't want you to come over. And I was like, okay. Um, cause I was obviously like, Hey, I'd love to take a lesson and have you show me what that is. He's like, I don't know. So he's <laughs> so anyway, I go over there and he's, and so my things that I, that we sort of both figured out together are like, his left foot is always unconsciously bobbing. Um, which again, for him, for Phil Collins, for Nate Wood, that works really well, but I've taught people to where I go, Hey, why don't you just relax your left leg and see what that feels like? And they go, Oh man, I've never done that before. I didn't even realize I was moving my left leg. And then I go, let's just drop it and see what happens. And their pocket like sinks into the Mm, earth. Like it's heavy, heavy. Yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, see, you got a whole other vibe there for you, and they're like, whoa, this is crazy, and they'd never even thought about that. So, so with Matt, he's bobbing his left leg, and he has an interesting ghost note sort of pattern that he plays. Like if he was playing uh, 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 his left hand, sometimes he would play like the upbeats, like uh, go 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 go, which is a hell of a lot easier than it. It's a hell of a harder. Than it sounds. It doesn't sound very hard. Yeah. But if you try try and play that, it's it's tough. Wow. Um. And he's and he's also singing, and you put all those three things together, and uh, mostly that left foot, and that to me is 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 you can hear that in Phil Collins too. There's that there's that undercurrent. A lot of times. And I was like, "Okay, man, well, if you're always bobbing your left leg like that, doing eighth notes, like unconsciously, what happens if, like you said, the the engineer's like, hey, man, check this out. You turn up the overheads and your left leg's like squeak, 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 or, or up and down or making all this noise. I was like, what what happens if a producer's like, hey, man, can you stop doing that? Yeah, he's like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I just put my foot on the floor. I don't really know. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I guess no one had ever asked him that before, which I find interesting, but also it's like, it's Pat Chamberlain. So. Well, I think that's
1: the thing is like, somebody probably isn't going to ask them to do that. You yep. know, where if, I mean, it's happened to me where there's a, a squeak or something or you're, you're, doing something with that hi-hat when you're over on the ride on that chorus and it's bleeding through and it's not related to
0: yep, what you're doing. It's out of time.
1: Yeah, and so we'll be tracking and I'll like have to, t- I don't play double pedal, so like I could take my foot off. And if sure. it's gonna do what it's gonna do, then I have one foot on one pedal and I have one foot off, you know? Mm-hmm. Just so, and it, it's also related to oh. what you're talking about with Chris, McHugh and like, I think because of his experience in the studio, a lot of us look to those players that have serious studio chops, and it's like, mm-hmm. what is it about them that is getting the work? And when I, if I was to see Chris play and I'd see him burying the beater, I'm like, hmm, okay, I, I've got to do that because yep. Um, yep. that's going to be the sound that the engineer wants. That's going to be whatever. So we're always being very conscious about the execution of our instrument in the studio and how it's coming across to, you know, microphones and everything like that.
0: Well, yeah. And what's ironic with Chris is Chris has one of the most sensitive. He has some of the biggest ears I've ever seen in my life. Like, like um, he hears things that like, I don't hear, and you know um he's just got great ears like huge ears so um you know it's not like he just like couldn't hear the difference like so it's just like he had never even thought about it before or or more importantly people's conceptual idea of what playing off the beater is that are off the head they immediately go oh that's like heel down jazz playing and it's like no that's not at all what's going on here or people go oh heel up playing that's like when you have your heel up in the air and you're wearing like high heel stiletto pumps it's like no that's not what's supposed to happen either yeah so like people because they've been presented improperly for the whole history of the instrument so when people go oh i guess i'm not supposed to do this let me try this and then they go well that's really weird that doesn't work at all and it's because they're doing it in an unhealthy unnatural way and then they go well i tried that it didn't work you know yeah but yeah, but Chris has Chris is so 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 sensitive. Um, um, it, like we'll text all the time, and I'll be like, "Oh, I switched out the hoops on this snare," or like, "I'm trying like this head instead of this head," or like, I mean, he's like, he can really hear all sorts of stuff that I, I can't even hear sometimes. I mean, so it's it's not like he just like didn't get it, you know? Like um, he obviously he obviously you know is super super sensitive. Um,
1: and that's a huge part of what makes him a great session player is the ability to be conscientious of all those small changes, uh, yeah. that the engineer doesn't have to worry about. Uh,
0: exactly. You, we, oh yeah. That well, real quick. That's what yeah. I was going to, you were, you reminded me, that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say is like when I was, I just did this like drumhead live thing a few months ago, um, Uh, for drum head magazine like a i I did like an improvised solo thing sort of like an online drum festival and and so i'm i you know bring in my kit whatever setup and like the engineer's like oh my god your drums sound unbelievable and i have like a front head no michael which most I was like, Oh, I was like, dude, you need me to like cut a hole. I really don't want to. He's like, no, no, you're good. And I was like, okay, I like you already, like, <laughs> you know? And and granted that's not going to work. A lot of times it's too much. It's sure. just too much tone um, for like a record. But if I'm doing a drum solo, hell yeah, I'm going to want to have all that, all that tone. So they're like, Oh my God, your drums sound amazing. And I'm just like, yeah well it's because i know i know how to hit them and and i i told this story in another interview where i was doing a record years ago and i and i i flew in and used the symbols that the producer wanted to use and there were like a bunch of peisty 2002s which are not my thing and um and so i start playing and tracking the first song and the the producer like like his head shoots up the window and and i'm like oh okay that's weird and then I get done with the song and he's like, man, I've had those cymbals for years. And like, I've never heard them sound like that. Wow. So like I heard the way the ride sounded th- first and then I looked to double check you were playing my cymbals and then I've never seen anyone play a ride cymbal like that before. But, he, but the point is, is like he heard it first. And then saw me playing and I was what I call like open glued grip, like just getting out of the way of the stick, like very large sort of stroke, but just, just kissing the symbol and getting out of the way, just the tip on on the, on the ride symbol. So he wasn't like, he didn't see me do it and then listen, you know, it's like, and that again is the point here. It's like, if you're using these, these techniques in the right way, like that should be the result.
1: Right, right. Uh, We had a chance to talk to Mike Dawson uh, just a Mm -hmm. few weeks ago, and he talked about Mm -hmm. coming to Nashville and working with Near Z in the studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, man, I just, I want you to produce me. I want you to, you know, so I was going to go in, I played Near's kit, I played a song, Mm -hmm. then Near went in and played the exact same song, but obviously it sounded, you know, amazing. Yep. But one thing that Mike said, which blew me away, he goes, the bass drum sounded lower when mm-hmm. Nir played it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like how? <laughs> we know sticks, stick size, you know, all these yep. different things. But it's like, how does that, how does technique transcend through this mechanical beast that is a sure. kick drum on a on a, you know, somewhat, Uh, you you know, on a drum that doesn't have as much character range as, you know, a snare drum, how, uh, how does, how does that bass drum like change? It's so amazing Mm -hmm. to to think about.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, and dude, the amount of people who don't even worry about tuning their front head, (laughs) like, Oh, I just kind of have it loose and flappy. I don't never really thought about it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, the amount of people I've had to, like, crank the crap out of their front bass drum head, and they're like, oh, man, that sounds way better. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, just a lot of people just don't think about things, you know? But, you know, there, there's there's a lot of, there's a whole world in between laying off the, the bass drum head and digging it in, you know? It's not it's not binary. It's not one or the other. I mean, there are people who who leave the beater in for a, a few milliseconds just enough to choke the drum.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and they think they're playing off, but they're not, you know, I mean, there's a whole, all kinds of stuff that can happen there. So, um, that totally makes sense to me. I, I have a hip list. It's called, a, it's like an Amazon. I called it like a hip list on my website, Yes, which I is very, it's at this point, pretty outdated. I need to add a lot of stuff on there. Um, but there's a lot of books on there that people can check out. um, That have nothing to do with music that are important to me. Um, I would say. um, With
1: Christmas coming up, you know? Hey, what what do you want? What do you want for Christmas? Oh, man, let me see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say. um, God, it's so hard to pick. It's like someone saying, like, what are your favorite records, you know? Um,
1: Right, Desert Island.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, largely philosophy uh, has really, uh, changed the way I, I think and live and process things. Um, so I mean, but you know, that's not for everyone. I would say actually, if someone wants to dip their toes in the water, um, there's a podcast called philosophize this Okay. by, by my buddy, Stephen West, which I have learned, uh, so much from, um, he is absolutely brilliant. And he does such an amazing job of taking extremely complex topics and breaking them down so anyone can understand them. Um, And it's fun and entertaining. Yeah, so I've learned so much from him. So, you know, philosophy is very important to me. And um, that's a great place to start. And then that will lead you into other things, depending on what your interests are. Mm
1: -hmm. Is there a book on Alexander Technique that somebody could start exploring?
0: Yeah, there's a book um, by Pedro de Alcantara called Alexander technique a skill for life and every single sentence in that book is solid gold gold yeah um, that was very much one of the books where I was like everything I, I was like yes 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 because it was just confirming everything for me I was like yes um, or certain things would would you know maybe show things in a different light maybe um, but everything was in line with what I've been doing which was amazing but it's a amazing book and he also has a few other books um um, that are specific in terms of movement which i have right here but i haven't i haven't really gotten into yet but there's one called indirect procedures um uh the integrated musician which is you get really deep into into all sorts of specific movement patterns um so there's all kinds of stuff he does that are great um
1: You have that resource on your website. You know, you say it's not up to date, but still there's a lot of great things on there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot on there. I mean, when I did Tim, my buddy Tim Ferriss's podcast, I picked like maybe 10 books that are on in the show notes on there. Um, um,
1: That's a great, great interview, by the way. That's a good. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I was so fortunate to, I'm just fortunate to have him in my life. He's such a special person. Um, I mean, he's really, I, I, I. I, I'm deeply, deeply indebted to him. Um, um uh, one of the things I, I put on there, um, was, uh, the art of learning Josh Waitzkin book, um, which he, he and Tim are friends, but Mark Chamani and miles um, from Alter bridge actually hit me to that book like 15 years ago. Um, that book is phenomenal. Um, I, uh, And I'm also a big fan of The Inner Game of Tennis. That book is unbelievable. Um, And if you dig those, uh, and then the Andre Agassi autobiography, after you check those out, is a great list, and they all sort of go together. Um,
1: Nice. I, I, I think for people that are kind of on board and like seeing these new possibilities of learning of, of how you're teaching of how you're approaching drums and, and and not automatically subscribing to what's been part of the the noise and you know mm-hmm. just then they're probably open to a lot of these books or if they if they probably already know them but still sure, sure. to know kind of where you're coming from I, and I'm thinking about somebody that doesn't have easy access to a teacher or sure. you may be living in well, a community where this isn't as easily accessible.
0: Sure. Well, one thing I want to make super clear is like, I have people hit me up and go, man, I want to, I want to take a lesson with you. And I go, well, I offer Skype or zoom because of even, you know, because of COVID, but even not because of COVID and people are like, Oh man, I want to wait until in person. And I'm like, Hey, that's not going to happen for like a year, but yeah. B like for me personally, it makes absolutely zero difference because I'm so sensitive and because of the way I do things, I can see what's happening in you know, three seconds. Oh, literally. That's amazing. So it makes so people are like, man, I wanted to, I'm going to wait until in person. And I'm like, there's no reason to, to do that. You may need to do that with other people, but not with me. So if, so I do offer zoom and Skype lessons, I do that all the time been doing that for years. And there's absolutely it's no difference between in person and and that. So if people want to do that, that's an option. Also, I highly, highly, highly recommend audible as a service. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have books all over my apartment and I will never be able to get through all of them. I just keep buying books. Um, so like I'm constantly, I don't even listen to music anymore. I'm just constantly audible and trying to, (laughs) trying to mow down all these books. So there's no way I'd be able to get through all these without audible. It's, 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 and if someone's like, I don't like reading, then, then, you know, check out audible. It's, it's. Do you Fantastic. have a
1: secret place like in your shower where you put your phone safely so you can continue to listen?
0: <laughs> Am I the only one? I'm, I'm not. At, I'm not at that level yet. I'm too paranoid. I'm going to ruin my phone probably. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, that um, might be a blessing.
0: <laughs> but, um, so but te- yeah, and then in, go on.
1: I was going to say, could you tell us about getting out of your own way? Redux? Yeah,
0: that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, so. Yeah so yeah, I made this course getting on your own way. It's available on my website, Davey, Um, two years ago, like, uh, June of 2018, um, two and a half years ago. Um, because I, I'd never seen any, uh, everything that kept coming out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, (laughs) you know, and so, and I would work with people and then they'd nail it. And then, They'd go home and then they watch some person on Instagram or YouTube has no idea what they're talking about. And then I go, oh, God, now we have to do everything all over again. So I wanted to make something that was a reference that people could use as a reference. So there's about 90, maybe 92 videos inside of the course that are all small bite sized clips. So like, you know, based on singles, like big hip singles that I call them, that video is like two and a half minutes. Yeah. And it's just all these bite sized things that you can it's designed to be like a reference manual. So you go back to the well constantly um, and 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 use it as as a reference point in between lessons or you can get it, get a head start and then take a lesson with me and then we can trim the fat so that you save a ton of time and money. Um, you know, because I'll, I'll, someone will get the course and work on something and then I'll see them like, Oh, great. Like that just saved us six months. Wow. Um, okay. And even if they don't get it, get it perfect, which isn't even a thing anyway, they're, they're very much more in the ballpark yeah. than they would be any other way. So, so that's on my website. Um, and like I said, if you, if it's streaming only because I don't want people to torrent it. Um, and also, you know, the beautiful thing is it's a living, breathing document. So like I said, if, if someone buys it now for all of the later editions, oh, they man. have access to that forever.
1: That's amazing. That yeah, is amazing. Yeah,
0: I think it, I think it is, too. So, you know, in a, maybe a year or two, whenever I do the third version, you'll just log in one day and be like, oh, shit, there's all new stuff here. Yeah. Because I'm I'm constantly learning, man. I mean, I can't even tell you how much material I have to add already. And it's been a year. And even like, I mean, I mean, I've been really doing a ton of research into breathing. Um, you know, that's huge. So, you know, it's just going to constantly get better and better and better as I learn more. And that's never ending.
1: Well, I, I, it's been so fun, man, to like, I've known about you forever. And I remember you were in Nashville, not too long ago, um, a couple years ago. And, uh, I, unfortunately missed it, but, um, just, uh, that's also the joy of this podcast is to be able to like dig a little bit deeper with intentionality to find out mm-hmm. more about what this person is doing. And, um, I, I know so many friends and, and people that are, there's, they've got one thing going on in their life, whether it's philosophy or it's how they take care of themselves physically or nutritionally. And then there's drumming. And, right. Um, just that and yet we would all say that this is who we are this is a big part of our identity this is a part Mm -hmm. of what feeds our soul why -hmm. can't those two things be together why can't they feed each other you know
0: exactly Mm -hmm. yeah why do we have to compartmentalize everything and draw these lines in the sand it's like that's 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 uh, you know the number one thing that's limiting people it's like let's have this all be inclusive and see how everything is related and connect the the dots so you can see these these constellations you know that's that's what it's all about
1: yeah yeah I feel like you've done that in such an inviting way and it's it's inspiring man and uh, thanks yeah I'm excited to to learn more uh, I mean again I feel like I've, I've been doing a lot of research on, on on you a little bit more in anticipation of our talk but I'm I'm like wow okay I'm just, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface let's let's, <laughs> let's get into this cuz I'm I, I'm I'm a uh just the perfect candidate for so much of what you talk about to benefit from I just know it sure you know well
0: every everyone is you know that's yeah. and that's yeah. The, that's the thing is like I all I want to do is help people and sometimes I'm really direct And sometimes I say shit that, that hurts people's feelings. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I offend people, but like, you know, it is from a place of love and it is from a place of deep caring. And I just, I want to help people. And sometimes I get frustrated when people are taken advantage of or led down the wrong path and they waste time and money and, and injure themselves because you have some, some snake oil salesman, um, you know taking advantage of them which which drives me absolutely insane so you know <laughs> if uh, this all i, I just want to help everyone and yeah yeah and that's really what 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 the deal is
1: right well as you've said many times before in other interviews you talk about like social media being like trying to drink from a fire hose mm-hmm. and it's so overwhelming and if we could just focus on what works then we could start using uh our time and our energy for other things than just consuming all this just like noise and bullshit. That's so confusing. Yeah, I, you know
0: to- totally. I yeah. I would love nothing more than that, you know, to just quiet the noise and focus on the things that are that are important.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this dude, I can't thank you enough. I, I wish we had more time, but this is this is what a good show is, right? It's leaving wanting more, exploring more sure. <laughs> We're, we'll yep. have we'll have links and, and everything like that in our show notes, and of course I'll be in touch, let you know when this releases. Your episode will be two hundred oh, and ninety nine. Oh, crazy! Uh, and our, um, I was hoping to kind of like reserve maybe some of our of our conversation as as a, as bonus for our three hundredth, which will be kind of a retrospective on the last hundred. Cool. And, uh, but we'll see, uh, how this goes. But man, it's been such a joy to to speak with you. And, and same. I, I hope we get a chance to to meet in person and, and, or at least speak again, uh, either. Yeah.
0: We, in whatever I'd love form. to. We, yeah, we can always do it, always do a round two. And, and I have family in Nashville. So hopefully I'll be back at some point. Soon. Oh,
1: yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, dave i'm gonna let you go i will i might drop you a note and say okay i'm on course or this doctor was a quack
0: (laughs) yeah man text me i'd love i'd love to hear what what happens i mean explore explore your triceps and i i I bet dollars to donuts you find a bunch of schmutz and gunk in your triceps
1: yeah i bet i bet but listen man (laughs) i'll be in touch but please take care be healthy during this time and, and see you on the other end of it all
0: Awesome, sounds
1: good, brother. You okay, too, okay, Dave. See you. Bye, bye. Bye. Oh wow. So, where do you go from there? Uh, that was great. Uh, too short, in my opinion. And I'm hoping to revisit some of this conversation with Dave. There's so much to discuss uh, beyond the drums. So uh, I hope we get a part two with Dave Elich someday down the road, uh, sometime down the road. Uh, There's lots of books, lots of resources. If you go to DaveElich.com, there's links in the show notes. Uh, You can find the stuff on the website or right there on your device. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're taking the next two weeks off. We will be back January 7th. That will be our 300th retrospective. We're going to have lots of fun, just clips from the past 100 or so episodes that Zach and I have done. Uh, He and I are just going to get on the horn and just go back and forth, include some commentary, set some of these clips up for you, and hopefully get any of you excited about some of these old episodes that you might not have caught the first time around. So check that out. Included in this episode, we're gonna have a giveaway. Again, like I had mentioned, in the giveaway, some of the sponsors that we have is Aquarian Drumheads, Booty Shaker, Big Fat Snare Drum, Kicker 4.0, Gibraltar Hardware. And of course, as always, we're real excited to have Shure on board as one of our sponsors. So everyone, have a safe and happy holidays uh, over the next couple weeks. Uh, I know there's a lot of craziness going on, but as we kiss 2020 goodbye and we look towards the light at the end of the tunnel, that is 2021, let's uh, try and stay safe so we can get back to some normalcy, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.